Hello and welcome to episode 1145 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there. It's Friday morning. Got the weekend coming up. Got Potapalooza coming up. You excited? Yeah. I, I can't wait. It's going to be uh, so much fun. Uh, give, give a rundown for the people that aren't familiar. I'm, I'm sure most people are familiar, but this is the fourth year? Yeah, I think it's the fourth year. That that sounds about right. It's so, around there. So get, give a rundown about what's coming up this weekend. So we start tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And we run for until I think it's 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. And it's a two-day live stream event. So going to have some of the biggest names in the industry, uh, you know, three to five people per hour. Uh, doing panels on everything you need for fantasy baseball. So you need draft prep for uh, NFBC. You need draft pe- uh, prep for auction leagues. You need draft prep for anything. Uh, we're going to have it dynasty prospects, you know, uh, and we're going to be raising money for charity. So That's awesome. uh, you can win a lot of really, really cool prizes. Every dollar you donate uh, via PayPal or Venmo. Uh, my PayPal is Justin Mason fantasy at gmail.com. My Venmo is at Justin Salinger. Uh, will get you entered in to win these really, really cool prizes, uh, including things like Ellen Adair's uh, donating some original artwork. Um, Every year, right? that's what I want. Uh, Joe Pizapia's uh, donating a copy of the Black Book, a bunch of subscriptions like uh, Pitcher List and Masters Ball. Uh, we've got like signed uh, baseball cards. We've got like a Jacob Grom signed baseball card. Uh, we even have uh, uh, Sam uh, W., uh, who does the Dynasty podcast, Me at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, he's donating a $100 gift card to, for, like, dog food and dog treats. Um, like, so okay. some off-the-wall weird uh, stuff. I like it. Some non-baseball of, uh, stuff. Yeah, rotoware t-shirts, other, you know, bobbleheads, things like that. Um, so it's uh, it's just going to be an absolute blast. Um, and uh, And raising money for keep playing baseball which is an organization that helps uh, high schoolers try to continue their baseball career and then also helps support some um little league teams in the sacramento area so uh which it. is it's uh, a uh, an organization that's run by uh toby g's brother uh batflip crazy's brother so uh you know i've done some uh some trivia night events with them in the past uh so i'm gonna have to get paul in on that because i keep forgetting to invite him so I would love to, you know, I mean, on, yeah. on some trivia. Well, that's great. I'm excited. I'm going to be part of it. I'll be watching. It's going to be wonderful. I'm doing some um, plenty of baseball work this weekend. I'll have it up on the second screen and, you know, I'm going to be in those chats. So Thank where you. can they find it exactly? Because you have it on multiple streaming. Oh, apps, yeah. Right. So it's going to be available on pretty much all my socials, uh, Twitter, YouTube and uh, Twitch. Uh, it's all Justin Mason FWFB. And then I'm also going to put on the Fangrass homepage. So you if you, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want to follow Justin on social media. Uh, you can just go to Fangrass homepage. It'll be up there, uh, you know, uh, a link for each day. Uh, so uh, which will be uh, just a blast. Excellent. Can't wait. And if you're listening to this on the day it comes out Friday, it's happening on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, the 25th and 26th. Obviously, if you're listening past that, you can go watch uh, archives of it, but obviously mm-hmm. you won't be able to participate live. Ooh. So check it out. One, There'll be plenty. One thing I forgot for every thousand dollars donated, I'm going to give away a spot in next year's TGFBI. So if you've ever That's wanted awesome. to get in the TGFBI, 
you know, that is one of the ways you can do it if you're not eligible uh, as a content producer. And I think two years ago, we raised $8,000. So I gave away eight spots. Uh, so hoping to beat that this year. That sounds great. Uh, I'm excited. So let's get into some pictures. It's uh, episode four. I think five is going to be it. We'll do another one Monday. Uh, another another group. There's a lot of guys in there. Plus, we're kind of on an hour today, so we might not even get through this whole list. Um, so five is where we'll cut it. But that should be deep enough to get everything you guys want. Um, if there's a picture you're worried might not get covered in that next episode, feel free to tweet me or, or leave a comment in in uh, this post here. I'll see it, and I'll try to make sure that they get on the next episode. But let's get on with some rapid fire here. Let's just start with uh, Bailey Ober. Does Bailey Ober have a rotation spot in Minnesota? Because us resource right now says no, and I think that that is based on some some rumors out of uh, out of Minnesota. How are you approaching it with Bailey Ober? Yeah, I actually didn't even realize this until uh, I I did a post on something on Dan Grass and and I mentioned Bailey Ober, and I was like, oh, oh, it's ADP market the market report, report? yeah, because I was gonna say I that's his latest article. And I was all like, oh yeah, he's dropping. You know, must be concerned over his innings. He's only threw like 50 innings last year. So, I mean, how many innings can we really expect him to get? Uh, and someone's like, it's probably because he doesn't have a rotation spot. And then I went and looked. I was like, oh, oh, he doesn't. Um, that's a huge bummer. I mean, he, he'll he find his way into the rotation at some point because you can't ima- I can't imagine everybody stays healthy. Tyler Molly, you know, missed time last year with injury. Uh, Kent Maedis coming off of Tommy John surgery. Uh, Sonny Gray is Sonny Gray. So... Uh, Pablo Lopez is Pablo Lopez. Um, he'll find his way into There's the There's been injury concerns, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think you can draft him. I was going to say, uh, are, are you are you picking over then? I don't think you can. I think he's the guy you pick up off the waiver wire when one of these guys goes down. I like Ober. I like his skills. I also have a little bit of concern that, like, if we get a more live ball this year, uh, you know, Bailey Ober is one of those guys, kind of like Joe Ryan, that, they give up so many fly balls that in a happy fun ball year, they would get destroyed. They're very um, similar for sure. Did you see the latest news though? Uh, or not though, because that makes it sound like it's a counter. In addition to what you're saying, they're going to start checking again really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dino had actually talked about how he thought that regulation on, on checking for sticky stuff had kind of, had kind of eased back a little bit. We had fallen back into the old routine and now everything coming out from uh, Jason Stark had a piece out. They're going to jump back on it. That could create more havoc. And uh, maybe we see a more aggressive hitting April this year than we did last year when everything was freaking terrible and you couldn't hit to save your life. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, this is another concern I've got about a guy like Tyler Glass now, right? You know, I think everybody's looking at Glass now as this guy that uh, is just going to be – right back to where he was prior to the injury. But I think we all forget that he really struggled. He got injured because of not having the sticky stuff. Do we even know what well, Tyler Glass now is without the sticky stuff? There is a he, loose link there. He, he blamed uh, the sticky I stuff. I understand that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not fully certain that, like, oh, if he has no yeah. sticky stuff, he's going to get hurt. There's health no, concerns no, no matter I, what there. For I'm, sure. not, I'm not saying he's going to get hurt. I just, do we know what he is without it? Um, because we haven't seen him pitch with it or yeah. without without the uh, sticky stuff. Yeah, so, so that, that'll be a whole thing. We'll get into that more as we kind of see what's going on in spring and everything, which, by the way, starts today. Very excited to get some games on. Same routine every year for me. I get excited. I'll have the games on today. I'll probably watch one of them pretty intently. 
and then they become the best background noise that you can get during during the rest of uh, of March. I, I I lose the the excitement for the games in terms of like watching them pretty quickly. But as far as like radio broadcasts and the TV broadcasts, just being on the second screen or uh, on the radio during my writing throughout the rest of the month, then it, it's it's wonderful. So I'm I'm excited for that. But there's three games today, uh, one against college uh, college and the Red Sox, and then the two that are actual teams playing each other. So it's going to be great. Let's stick with the twins here. Are you speculating on Tyler Molly's health and gambling that he can be healthy again and have a good season because he's out of Cincinnati, which is great. We got excited when he got traded. Unfortunately, he got hurt pretty quickly, so we didn't really get a chance to see him in Minnesota. Where do you stand on Tyler Molly? I'm kind of waiting to seeing. I love Tyler Molly. I love that he got traded to Minnesota. It was like the you know one of the best possible locations for him to be traded to in terms of the division and the park uh, and giving him an opportunity to keep the ball in the yard. It's fantastic defense behind him, but then he got hurt and, uh, and kind of finished the year hurt. So I've been kind of staying away from him waiting for uh, to see him on a mound. Once I see him on a mound, he could go really up in my ranks. At this You're not moment, taking the I, discount? I haven't been taking the discount. Okay. Especially because it's, you know, I've been drafting mostly draft and hold leagues yeah. where you're stuck with that guy. And if he's, you know, he ends up being out for extended periods of time, that really hurts you. So uh, I'm okay paying up a little bit more once we know that he's healthy. But this is a guy that I think has top 30, top, you know, 35 uh, SP skills um, and ability uh, that we need to see that he is healthy. Yeah, I could certainly see Tyler Molly being, being a badass. Uh, if healthy, but that that if healthy, as it is for so many pitchers, is so key. But I think for him specifically, because he didn't end the season pitching, and uh, we don't really know where we're at with him. We're not entirely sure where we're at with this guy either. Another twin, Kenta Maeda, but he is returning from TJ. He's going to make his Grapefruit League debut tomorrow, Saturday the 25th. Where do you stand on him? What kind of innings are we going to get? There's no reason to baby him. He's 35 years old. I think if he's healthy, he's going do you agree? Where 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 do you where do you go with uh, Kenta Maeda right now? Who man, uh, he is one of the few guys that I might break my rule for in terms of I don't draft guys coming off of Tommy John, and I I haven't done it yet, but I've come really really close because I gave him a fairly conservative projection, uh, and I've had the opportunity to still draft him, like where he's like third or fourth guy left on my list when a when a draft pick comes up, uh, and so I do think I may end up with him this year in spite of the fact like i said i typically just don't draft these guys coming off of tommy john but he's going late enough where i think there is an argument for it plus the twins have said we're not going to have him on any sort of innings restriction yeah Uh, because why would they yeah this is his last year with the organization he's pitching for a new contract they want to try to win so uh they're just going to let him go and they've got the depth with guys like bailey ober you know kind of in triple a or the bullpen so they actually um, have a lot of depth there they have lopez gray ryan molly maeda the five that you mentioned ober who we just talked about but beyond that then they have josh winder winder mm-hmm. winder uh simeon woods richardson jordan blazovich louis varlin like those aren't studs or anything but they have some depth there so i think they put and Randy Dobnek is still there, who's had major league time. So I think they push Maeda. And if something does happen, obviously they don't want that. But if something does, they know that they have arms to turn to. So I really think yeah. that they're going to push with Maeda. So I'm kind of drafting him as like a 130 plus inning type of guy. I think the upshot is, you know, 160. 
Yeah, I think you can uh, make that argument. I'm trying to find my projection on him uh, right now. Okay, so yeah, so I have him for 140 innings uh, and a, let's see, 406. Yeah, so 402 ERA, 116 whip. Yeah, or no, I, sorry, 431 ERA, 119 whip. I, I can definitely get behind that. And like you said, that that's kind of conservative there for Maeda coming off the TJ, and yet it still puts him in a spot where it's like, hey, I could definitely draft him. Whip has always kind of been his game. Um, I think that's the strength. We didn't see it much in 2021. He was kind of up and down, uh, but that's the worst whip we've ever seen at 130. He's a career 114 for Maeda, uh, career 387 ERA. So I think there could be a big bounce back there. Could be a lot of upside in that Minnesota rotation that isn't being drafted very high. Speaking of upside in that division, Michael Kopech, is he undervalued? He had a wonderful year last year when you look at the, the rates, 364-119. But it was, or excuse me, 354-119. But it was in 119 innings, which was a career high, but there was ups and downs. And he was somebody that it it was it was a scary ride with. You never felt super comfortable after a, a certain point pretty early in the season. I say this from experience, having him in the main and again liking the results, but the, the underlying was was pretty rough. 449 FIP tells you all you need to know there, whether whatever your ERA uh, indicator of choice is, 473 on the Sierra. It was scary. He wasn't missing a ton of bats, which is something he normally can do. There were tons of walks, uh, but the hit suppression was, was excellent, 6.4. And so it gave him the solid ERA with the great whip. Is Michael Kopech undervalued right now going as, as late as he is and somebody that you're looking for? He hasn't been someone that I'm looking for, uh, only because I, I just don't know where the help is at. There's been conflicting reports um, on where he is at health-wise. We got reports early that, hey, he's, his rehab's going slow. He may not be ready for the start season. The most recent report is that he's got no lingering issues. I want to see him on a mound, uh, and I want to. I really want to see what his control looks like. I think this is one of those guys you really want to see what kind of the walk to strikeout rate because we saw kind of this weird dip in strikeouts, uh, but the walks kind of stay up last year. So uh, the upside is amazing. If he's healthy and he is the guy that we have seen in kind of some uh, short stints and glimpses, then uh, he could be an absolute star. I know a lot of people are like all over Hunter Green right now, but this is like, you know, Kopech is the dude that could just be like everybody or what everybody wants Hunter Green to be without having the price attached to Hunter Green. So is it, yeah, is is Kopech the better buy then from a absolutely a, a cost uh, obviously he's much cheaper. There's more risk. Is are you saying that you just rather I, I think you just said yes, but so you'd rather go for Kopech at the at the extreme discount than pay the premium for Green who has his own concerns with his command and being in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean I, I'm not out on Green by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I'm just I haven't been able to pop him at his current price uh, as it continues to rise. Whereas Kopech is going so cheap that, yeah, I think he'd, it's a much easier gamble to make because if your 18th round pick doesn't succeed, you're like, OK, whatever. I can drop him in June uh, or in May. Whereas if your you know, seventh or eighth round pick isn't succeeding, you want to hold tough. on to that. Yeah, it's really it's hard to, to cut that. So especially when both guys have huge upside and you're going, 
hey, if he turns it around, this guy could help you win the league. I want to make those gambles later. I don't want to make those gambles earlier. If, if you know, I'm drafting an SP2 or 3, I want to feel really comf- uh, confident that unless something just out of the blue and atrocious happens, he's going to be on my roster all year. No, I definitely understand that. I do like Hunter Green, but I, I actually recently just, uh, you know, we already talked about both these these Reds guys, Green and Lodolo. Went back and threw a few extra runs on their on their boards. I, I felt a little uncomfortable giving them, you know, pretty well below three, or excuse me, below three, below four ERAs given the park. It's less about them and, and more that I just, I, I don't want to forget that park. As much as I love it for every hitter, and I can't stop talking about some of these uh, hitters that they've got in Cincinnati, I was feeling like I was having, having a disconnect between propping up guys like Jake Fraley and Will Myers for how great that park is and then not appropriately crediting that park against some of their pitchers. So I went and made some changes there. So those guys are going to bump down on my uh, on my rankings next time you go look at those. Let's go out to uh, L.A. or L.A. adjacent. Let's go to Anaheim. Will Tyler Anderson hold his gains? He obviously had a brilliant run in L.A. proper with the Dodgers. He's just going over there. We've made jokes about how he wanted to stay close so that if anything goes wrong, he can just bounce over and talk <laughs> talk to Mark Pryor. Um, but is he going to hold those gains? It was the changeup that really took the next level there. It's been a good changeup throughout his career. It was next level last year. There's no reason that he should like lose that vibe. But, you know, he's going to be on a different team now, and the changeup was the best it's ever been. What kind of uh, how much of those gains can Tyler Anderson hold being in Anaheim now with the Angels? I think that is the magic question, and I, I don't know what the answer is. I think he should be able to hold a lot of them, and so I feel like uh, I am going to do an article, uh, which is this year's Adolis Garcia, uh, and the the criteria for that is a guy who is being hated so unfairly by the market, even though we know there's going to be regression that he ends up being a huge value in the market. I think Tyler Anderson, unfair. It, 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 it became unfair. He, it wasn't, no, he, it's he, not the, it's not the original the trend. Hit. It's just that he beat it. But we that, knew he was going to hit for power. We knew he was going to steal bases. No, we didn't. He's a bad hitter. He's a bad hitter. I, you're wrong. I, 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 I mean, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Making he's a bad hitter. such a mistake. I think they're making a mistake again they, this year. But that's to the other way, though. Like, yeah, yeah. So they're overcorrecting and saying, well, oh, we got it wrong last year. I think it was process versus outcome last year. He beat it. And and hats off yeah, to the people that did going outside of the top 200 at that point, he, he becomes a bargain because there's there's only upside. Like, you're judging that. All, no, you're judging that only based on the fact that he succeeded. Uh, like and, and so that's it's just retrofitting. But anyway, that's not the and point here. I understand what I you're feel, saying. So I feel you think like Anderson's getting too much. Yeah, because like I don't think he's going back to a mid three or a mid fours ERA pitcher. I think he, you know, yeah, he's going to regress, but he's probably a mid threes guy with a decent whip in on a team that looks like it's built to win some games. Though we said that like over and over and over again, but we've uh, never said that 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 their pitching uh, has mm-hmm. any sort of depth and their or pitching any is sort of deep. And I, I I like their pitching. We're talking about another guy, another lefty here in a moment. Um, they have a six man that. We don't even know if they're going to fully do, but they got six legit guys for that. They got some guys in the minors. I, I'm I'm falling for them again. I really am falling I for am. the Angels. But yeah, so you like Tyler Anderson to outdo his his draft cost. He's not particularly expensive, like you're saying. Uh, you got Tyler Anderson there, SP 79, 
That's ridiculous. Not, not this dude hurt you was too a, much. This was dude was a top fifteen player, not a top fifteen pitcher, a top fifteen player in fantasy last year, and we're treating him like he's garbage. Well, people are just paying attention to his career numbers and and regressing, which but is it, fine, it probably yeah. is. It probably is a bit too much on Tyler Anderson. I can agree with that, and I won't be afraid to pick him up. You know, yeah. as long as you got your K's in order and you, and you go for somebody like Tyler Anderson uh, to kind of help your ratios and some volume, I, I can totally see it. I got him at SP 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just solid there in, in, in the middle of the top 100. Uh, all right, let's stick with their, their that team. Who are you preferring between Tyler Anderson and one of your favorites here? I'm going to put you to the mm-hmm. test. Jose Suarez, big fan of this guy as well. Um, which of the two lefties do you like more? Oh, it's Suarez. I, I mean, he was so good after a pitch mix change uh, last year that he was like under he underratedly won people leagues. Like if you were struggling pitching and picked up Jose Suarez right about the time I dropped him uh, in Tout Wars and in the main event, I got it from you. Yeah. Uh, then he like went and won your league. And like nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about that he made a change and got marketably better better um and like he's going way too low in the market like i just i will uh i will just die on this hill that he is probably the most underrated starting pitcher this year so in fairness i I'm, i have talked about it I'm, I'm i'm a fan myself so you know i i feel like i put you on because if you remember um when we looked at my rankings a- after the season I had him 65 to year 97. Yeah. And I questioned it. I was all like, yeah, we, we, we had a debate. And, you know, I think we're in lockstep now that Suarez yeah. is somebody who can really, really be a contributor. The question I've gotten when I when I am propping him up out there in the wild is the innings. And I'm like, oh, he's 25. Sure. And he had what, like 130 innings last year, thereabouts. Uh, let's see, 126. I think he can get a, a buck 50 easy. And that's kind of the threshold that I need for somebody being drafted that late. Um, is that where you're about with the innings with, with Jose Suarez? I, I gave him 145. I th- yeah, think so right there. I think my main concern has been, do the angels turn back into that six man rotation? Yeah, that, that uh, is a question. And so it looks like at this moment, they're not going to. So I probably need to bump him up maybe 10 to 15 innings. Uh, and that would put him around 155, 160 and bring him up inside of probably my top 60 or top 55 starting pitchers. Yeah, that, that'd be great for Jose Suarez. So I'm in on him for sure. Um, I At the cost, I do prefer him. Well, yeah, he's like SP 103. So, yeah, even though I do have Tyler Anderson up, up where I do, between the two, I still think I lean Suarez a bit because he's even cheaper at SP 103, um, almost 100 picks cheaper than Anderson. But, hey. I'd be open for either. I, I really like both those guys out there in Anaheim. Will Martin Perez hold his gains? Uh, he stuck with Texas. He took the QO. Uh, that was kind of an easy choice for him. He had an excellent year last year. And look, I was consistently calling for the regress re- regression. I, I, I didn't fully believe it. Uh, the home run suppression. He, he did it all year. 7% homer to fly ball uh, helped him to a .5 homer nine far and away the best of his career without a doubt there was a pitch mix change that certainly aided that still don't buy it though i'd still put it home run regression i don't buy it fully i buy that there are changes that can make him less of a home run problem still not buying 0.5 homer nine though 
He did it for the full year. I don't think it's necessarily carrying over. What do you see out of a 32-year-old Martin Perez? Can, can he pull the magic out of his hat again? I mean, I think he can to an extent, but I agree with you. There's going to be regression. I think this is another example of uh, Tyler Anderson we were just talking about that uh, maybe the hate is going a little bit too far. I think people are expecting him to turn back into that mid to high fours ERA guy, and I don't think he will. I think, and obviously he's not going to repeat what he did in 2022 in terms of like the ERA. He had a sub three ERA, but like I think he could be kind of a a high threes, maybe low fours ERA guy uh, that doesn't have a sparkling whip, but it doesn't necessarily kill you considering where he's going. He's going to get a ton of innings. I mean, this is a guy who last year threw 196 and a third. Uh, and I think they're going to need to rely on him considering the other options in that rotation. You've got DeGrom already nursing some sort of issue. You've got uh, John Gray, who's had trouble staying healthy. Andrew Keene, who never stays healthy. Nathan Evaldi. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, who never stays healthy. So, uh, like, he's the only mainstay in this rotation, I think, for the whole year. So I think he's going to make 32 starts, rack up, you know, close to 200 innings, if not 200 innings this year. And I think he's going to give you solid production uh, that beats out where his ADP is right now. I don't expect him to come anywhere close to last year, though. Yeah, and he doesn't need to, though, right? Martin Perez, SP92. If people were thinking that he was going to do last year's work, he would be, you know, 70 spots higher than that, of course. So that's the beauty is that he doesn't actually need to. I do think he's going to hold some of the games because, again, there were changes there. And, again, I, I, I... I take the L on that he's, one. I was he's worried also, that he was going to have a major fall off. He's also one of those guys that the, it has such little room for error, right? Yeah. Like we've talked about this with like the, the Kyle Hendricks, uh, you know, destruction um, where like he only had this room for error because of his, you know, low velocity. So once he lost a little bit of that command, uh, he was just getting hit around the yard. And I do worry about that for a guy like Martin Perez. He has to be able to keep the ball away from guys uh, so they don't hit home runs off of him. If he can't do that, then you could be in a world of hurt. So, like, if you draft him and he gives up three home runs in his first two starts, it's time to just cut and move on. Like, you don't, you don't like, hold on to that one. Yeah, you definitely got to be careful there. The home runs, I think, will drive where Martin Perez goes. He really had that sinker cooking last year. I think the sinker cutter combo was what really drove the success. And there was, you know, some give back in the second half, but even that uh, was still was still fine. You know, you're talking about a 316 ERA compared to the 268 in the first half. So even his regression point was fine. There was a seven ERA outing at Houston. Frankly, and this is something that can be a challenge when you have a breakout guy like this. Do you ride everything because you're like, oh, he's been so good? Or do you keep streaming him? I think more disciplined fantasy managers probably avoided that Houston bomb because they kept streaming Martin Perez knowing, okay, at Houston, no. Now, two weeks later, they would have missed a six scoreless at Colorado. But you don't focus on that because in the very next start was uh, Houston again for five earned. So if you just sit all three of those, you still came out ahead. And uh, I, I am curious how, how people played it last year with Martin Perez, if they started to just ride him and take everything, or if they were still sitting him against those tough opponents uh, because they were worried that, that his home run issues could re- resurface. But, hey, 
Great season for him. He was somebody I loved as a prospect, and that was so many, so many years ago now. He's been in the league for 11 years. I know. And, you know, he's been a perfectly solid pitcher, you know, very, very cromulent, if you will, for 1,300 innings, had a breakout season. I think he's going to give back some, but not enough that you can't draft him where he's going. Is there a breakout incoming for Zach Eflin? I got him wrong this offseason, too, and he declined an option year. Um, I think it was player option. I was like, what, 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 what's he doing? Maybe it was the QO. I can't remember, but it was something where I was like, take that money. What are you, what are you doing? You know, I, and I thought he was as, as a reliever. That's the thing. I was seeing him as a reliever because that's kind of where uh, it looked like the market was going to happen. No, he knew better. He got a three-year deal from the Rays, three years, 40 mil. And I got to admit, I'm excited when the Rays do something. It gets me a little bit excited. They're one of those teams. There's a pitch. There's a an arsenal of stuff there that I think Zach Eflin can certainly maximize. Are the Rays going to pull it out of him here? He's out of Philly as well, so some of his previous home run issues might be tamped down a little bit. Where do you stand on the Zach Eflin potential breakout? I'm excited, but I'm also tempering my expectations. I mean, I think people have been. I don't want to say overdrafting him because he's still going late. He's but people, have been, uh, people have been hyping him up. Like, oh, the Rays see something, and the Rays are so smart. Like, there's this appeal to authority that the Rays like can protect guys from injury or something like that. Because his biggest issue has been injury, right? It's well, I'd say the homers been... are, have been a bigger issue. No, that's been a big but, issue. But he's had too, he's but... had some he's had some health concerns as well. I hear you on the appeal to authority, but don't they have the the record, the track record to to earn that as well? I sure, but like not every organization can fix every player right like we, we look true. at the dodgers as a as an organization that you know they fix everybody and we're going to talk about one of their guys that they're going to try to fix here in a minute uh but like they weren't able to fix cody ballinger they haven't there are other guys they haven't been able to fix like every organization has in fairness that's their, a picture yeah that's that's true but uh i don't know like i i, I like eflin i've been drafting him i think he's a guy that if he's healthy, he's going to be pretty good. Like, that's a great part to, for him to pitch in. It's a great organization. I do wonder if, in order to keep them keep him healthy, that they don't let him go deep into games, which would lower his win potential. So Certainly. We've certainly seen uh, that in, in Tampa yeah. Bay, too. That's You know, there's the give and take with them. That's yeah. definitely something that they get in on is, is talking about with Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, you know, Ryan Yarbrough in the past. Um, I think F1's better than than – a Ryan Yarbrough, but probably at, at his max can be on a level of a Springs and Rasmussen. Yeah. And he's going think, much cheaper. I think too, like you look, you know, you can't every, almost every single person in this rotation has a question mark of sorts, right? Yeah. Whether it's innings or injury or whatever uh, out or oh no, I guess even with McClanahan, right. You have the shoulder uh, yeah. if you that popped up last year. Not every one of these guys is going to go deep. We just don't know which ones are going to be allowed to and which ones are not. And I feel like Eflin is the most likely guy to not go deep. That being said, I still like his price in the market. I still, I just drafted him yesterday. Like, uh, I think he's absolutely fine. Oh, you think he's the most likely guy to be managed? I don't know. I feel like he's shown enough with some inning seasons. You know, he's had some health concerns, like you mentioned, but I think when he pitches, you know, like when he starts, he, he can go deep into games. I, I think they will, you know, because like you said, they can't, not everyone will go deep, but they can't also limit everybody either. You will run out. Yeah. The open. Of course. They I, like just, I think it's just, un, I think it's just unpredictable, unpredictable. That's about the tough part who, about 
who it's going to be. And I just feel like because of his injury history uh, and his lack of like innings in a season, like I think that he's the most likely guy to get managed. Now I hope they manage him with an opener. If they manage him with an opener, I'll be fine. Yeah. Throw Jalen Deeks in front of him and I'll be happy. But uh, speaking yeah. of Yarbrough, that was the Yarbrough method, and that made mm-hmm. him super fantasy viable because he won like 16, 17 games. Yeah, he was yeah. a middling pitcher, but he was able to get those those wins because he was coming in uh, after after the opener. If they do that with Eflin, that mm-hmm. would be wonderful. I don't know if they're going to, but stay tuned. I do like the price on him, though, and that's the thing. It makes him easy easy to buy if you're in on the breakout. SP86, that's just not that expensive if you believe that the Rays yeah. can uh, get that breakout from Eflin. Speaking of fixing, and you hinted at it, can Mark Pryor fix Thor? <laughs> um, if the velocity's back, sure, why not? Uh, I, I saw an article in in I think it was the LA Times yesterday. I think it was, and it was the 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 title of it was the Dodgers don't or like the Dodgers think Thor doesn't need velocity to get better. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. Like that's I don't want to like I, I I understand thinking that, but I think he the easiest way for him to get back to being Thor is with that velocity. Sure. Um, and I don't know that I want him if he doesn't have that velocity, even with the reduced price. Um, again, this is another appeal to authority that the Dodgers are uh that the Dodgers fix everybody. Um I'm okay with that appeal because they've done a really, really good job of fixing just about everybody. But unless that velocity's back, I just don't believe it's going to happen. I think he's washed until that velocity's back. Oh, I, I don't know if I agree with that because I think that they've been really good at tapping into secondary arsenals and having pitch mix changes with guys. I, you know, I grant that it, it is important to what made Thor successful when he was Thor. Noah Syndergaard, of course, for obviously everyone knows that nickname, but just in case. Um, and, you know, we saw last year when he's working at 94 and a half that he wasn't missing bats. 9% swing strike rate led to a 17% K rate. That's very pedestrian. But he didn't walk, guys. And I do think there are multiple paths here. Now, I'm in the bag for for Syndergaard. So I want that bias to be on the table. I want it to work. So, you know, there's probably some hope mixed in there as opposed to just straight-up objective analysis. But I think you look at his arsenal, you look at what the Dodgers have done. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think I'm completely out of nowhere saying that they're going to make something out of thin air with him, even if the velo doesn't return. I'll tell you what, though, I'm taking the discount. Uh, that, that's that's certain uh, for me. SP90 after pick 300 right now, because the simple fact is if he comes into the season and, and he is throwing upper 90s, it's over. I mean, the price is going to go through the roof. If he isn't, I do think that the price will remain fair with with Thor. So it is one of those things where it's like, oh, if if he does come in and he's only throwing like ninety six, which would be an improvement, but not back to the old Thor, that's okay because I'm I'm still going to get that discount. I'm excited to see where it goes, though. I root for him; he's a fun guy to root for, and I'm just hoping that it works because, again, I really like him. Yeah, I mean, there was a report earlier this month that he had an uptick in velocity coming into camp, so. That's encouraging, uh, but you're you're right. Like if if he's if he's throwing like super super hard when he, you know spring training games go, like the price is going to go through the roof. Um, where, I don't where'd know. You, where'd you rank him, and what kind of what kind of projection did you give Thor? Uh, let's see, Cindergard. I have him 139th 
100 Jesus. Yeah, 140 innings at a 431 ERA and a 125 whip. Damn, so Which you are doesn't feel out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I guess. Uh he was better than that last year, but if you look at the ERA indicator, so I mean, FIP liked him for his ERA basically, but Sierra did not. I get it if you if you think the strikeout rate is cooked. Um yeah, I mean that that is that is so so buried. Um, you're not really buying him even at, at market price than at SP90 for no, the No, I haven't touched him this year, and I, I, I don't I don't think I will. Like I even if the price goes up because of velocity's up, I won't be with it. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely higher there and I'm excited and I hope that uh I hope that you things stop work smoking out that stuff. Ah. Why some some might call that witch casting. Some might, but they yeah. wouldn't really understand what that term means, and they would think yes. that every projection has to be based on what they've done previously. Then what's the point of doing a projection? If there's no growth or or decline in anything, and you're just adhering to the three-year average, just run a Marcel projection at that point. You know, at, at that point, like what what are you doing? That's that's any different don't, than just don't doing tell that. me how to live. Well, I mean. You're still you're still wrong on Brian Hayes too, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> right, let's move on. Time for a Justin Steele breakout in Chicago with the Cubs. He had a great second half. You talk about somebody that was helping teams win leagues. I think if you were on that second half Justin Steele train, he was definitely a part of that. Do you see a full season breakout coming for Justin Steele? Oh, this is one I've like had real issues with. Um, you know, like I. I see like the path to it. 205 well, ERA from June forward, by the way, 14 starts. By the way, you can make a case that last year was the breakout 318, 135, but the whip's pretty high. So for me, a breakout would be more than the 119 innings, say something like a buck 50. Um, the ERA doesn't necessarily have to be better either. I would think like a mid threes ERA, but with a much better whip. That's what I would term a just the whip. Breakout. The whip is the issue, and that's yeah. the hard and it's the combination of the whip and the innings for me has been the biggest issue. Uh, you know, like he was a guy that I was really interested in because you had a guy who uh, had showed he could put up a pretty good ERA and while keeping the strikeouts. Um, but the whip has been 135 each of the last two seasons. How much uh, of that is is the defense, though? Now you got a big improvement with Dansby Swanson. Now he's, he's one guy, so it doesn't automatically fix everything. I'm not suggesting that. But it certainly helps, and he's a big time. Steele's a big time ground ball guy, and you get Swanson yeah. in there, and you're looking at the hit rates have been a bigger problem. The walk rates are up there too, by the way. I'm not going to uh, suggest that that's not a part of it. Ten percent walk rate, but if you can get the hit rates, you know, in the low sevens or or even lower than that, of course, then I think Steele can live with a nine ten percent walk rate and get the whip in check because it has been 135 for his career. That's 176 major league innings. Yeah. And maybe he won't be as affected by the shift issues because he's a lefty. He still gets the strikeouts. You know, I think I need to uh, to update his his uh, his is, projection a little is bit. Is Horner a good defender? I'm unfamiliar yes. with. Horner, okay. Horner so is got, a good defender. You got so a good not, keystone there. Then, yeah. Not only are you you adding your defense with uh, to, with Dandy Swanson, but you're actually the real place you're adding it is by moving Horner over to second. And he yeah. kind of fills in that what has been a massive hole there uh, because he played a pretty good shortstop last year. So there you uh, go. 
I do like the up the middle defense. And now you got Bellinger two in center, uh, which you know definitely helps that outfield defense as well. So yeah, ground ball guys do allow fly balls at times too. Mm-hmm. So it is nice. It that happens. He will have a, a quality uh, center fielder out there tracking things down. I think Hap and Suzuki are are fine. I don't know if they're special, but they're not bad as far as I. At least I'm based on my reputational um, thinking of them. I don't know for sure. I'm actually trying to look it up right now. But yeah, I I like Steele and outs above average last year for Hap, 78th percentile. So you like that. Um, so yeah, I think the defense has improved. He can get the hit rate down, even if the walk rate doesn't improve for Steele necessarily. I think there is a path where that walk where that whip, excuse me, can get down under 1.3. And even if the ERA goes up, like I said, from the 318, let's call it 350, 360. I don't mind that. Give me the whip goodness for 150 plus innings, and I'm in on Justin Steele. I think the price Ooh, is fair with him. You think 150 innings? I think he's going to get trusted as a stud. I mean, you look at what he did from June on. Like I was saying, he was an over five inning average type of guy. Thirty-one nineteen um, last year. Yeah, I mean that's that. The if you take his June forward, and he did miss September with an injury, so that part is a bummer. He didn't finish the season on the field. Um, so we'll keep an eye on him for spring uh, in spring for that consideration. But if you take those 14 starts, it was a full season, like 180 inning type of pace for Justin Steele. The 79 innings in 14 starts, you take it over 30, that's 170, and you take it to 32. Obviously, you're getting into the 180 range. So, and I'm not, I'm not even saying we need to go that high. Give me 150, 160 on Steele. I don't see any reason he can't. He's 27. What are they protecting? Well, yeah. you know, what, what, what are you babying at that point? If he can go, you send him. And so I'm in on steel. I think the price is right. And if it doesn't come through, I don't need to hold him all year at SP 78 and bury myself. So I'm in on him. I, I got him for a pretty solid projection right around what I'm talking. Mid three ZRA, just under one three on the whip and, and plenty of K's. All right. All right. Well, let's stay with, uh, let's stay with the Cubs here. Let me get back to my sheet. I lost it. Which happens often because I got eight gorillion tabs open. Has uh, Marcus Stroman been forgotten? I know he's been yes. a little goofy off the field, but that doesn't really impact what he does as a pitcher. I don't agree with the bullshit that he tweets out, but that does again, that doesn't matter. SP 80 for a guy who's pretty much only been good for, for the bulk of his career and was good last year. Do you, do you think it's like off field stuff affecting? Like, I don't understand why he's just. I- he has forgotten. I don't think it's off the field stuff. What I think it is is that he has this like unsexy profile, and so guys who have like sexy upsides uh, what, get just wrong vaulted with... over. There's nothing wrong with low the, to I'm... mid threes ERA and yeah. good whips the last two years. One fifteen yeah. whip the last two seasons. On and the like like we mentioned, the infield defense just got better. Uh, yeah, I think he's completely underrated in the market, and I think. Especially if you're the type of person who wants to draft like a Hunter Green or a Nick Lodolo or these guys that have like huge upsides, you know, but you've got to take them in the first, you know, 12, 13 rounds. Um, you end up meeting these guys who are stabilizers later in case they do have issues, right? And yeah. there's, I think, no better stabilizer than Marcus Stroman. I mean, maybe Miles Miklas, but like Marcus Stroman is like, like, yeah, he's a great stabilizer at the back end of your rotation. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he's super underrated. Yeah. I I was kind of looking at that and I'm just like, 
what 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 are we doing here with yeah. uh, with Stro? Why is he why is he down at SP eighty? You know, it's kind of boring, sure, but I, I think there is some potential upside there too. And he didn't stay fully healthy last year uh, with one hundred thirty eight innings, but we've seen him be healthy uh, multiple seasons. And I know that that's been a concern when he first came in. Like, can he hold up because he's a more slight guy? Listed five seven, so he's probably five five. Um, and he has two two hundred inning seasons. A 184, a 179. Yes, last year was 139, but he's 32. I think he gets back up into the 170s at least and has a quality year. And so mm-hmm. I think Stroman is a nice pickup there. Rotation stabilizer, you know, those innings guys that are a little bit boring, yep. but they get the job done. Now, this team does have some depth. So if injuries crop back up again with him or or whomever, uh, they can go a lot of different places. And right now, a guy that I love is not penciled in, but he is in the battle for the fifth starters job. Does Hayden Wesneski get enough burn this year to be to be something? I don't know. Uh, I mean, the the rotation does have some injury risk, you know, with Drew Smiley and James I mean, Ion. On. Smiley, so, especially, man. I mean, yeah, he's, he's like a hundred inning guy a year. Yeah, so I think he, I think was Wesneski's gonna find his way into the rotation at some point, and I think if he once he gets in the rotation. There's no reason to pull him out. Like, Are we thinking Samson beats it beats him out? Now Samson yeah. had a good year, 104 innings of a 311, 123. Hats off for that. But his core skills are not better than Wesneski's. He's he's 31. Is this just something with the age over the prospect getting getting the opportunity? So. Yeah, and you know you you look at just what he did on the surface last year, and I think they're just going to give him a shot. Uh, though, I mean, would it surprise me if Samson ends up being like the sixth man? You know, a guy the long reliever, it would not surprise me at all. And he has three options. So, you know, unlike a lot of older pitchers, like usually they're out of options at this point and they can't they can't send them down. Uh Samson has three options. So Wisniewski could easily find himself in the rotation. I love the skills. Uh the the question is the role, but I think the role the questions about the role right now are keeping the price down because otherwise I think he'd be being mentioned in the same vein as a lot of other sleeper pitchers going around here and probably would be going higher. I couldn't agree more. I'm in on the Wesneski train. I love him for drafting holds. Um, and obviously, depending on how that battle for the fifth starters role pans out, uh, I'll be in 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 redrafts too. If, if, if Of course, if he wins it, I know the price will go up, but I don't think it'll become cost prohibitive. So I see myself with Hayden Wesneski. If he doesn't, then he becomes a key watch list guy. And the second that something happens in that rotation, I'm going to pounce. Uh, can Kyle Bradish build upon his 2022 in Baltimore. I liked a lot of what he did. I like him as kind of a late, you know, sleeper upside type of guy. What do you think of Bradish with Baltimore? Uh, I love Kyle Bradish. Okay. Um, like I, Let's I talk mean, about it. He made a real change in the second half with his pitch mix. Uh, and that's where all these gains are coming from. Uh, and I don't think anybody's paying attention to it. Like, like some people price- are, I think Eno's in on okay. it too, but the market is not, the market isn't necessarily there. I do worry, and I say worry because I, I want the discount. He's SP 108. So you're right to that point, right? Like nobody's buying him in the market at, a, at an egregious price. Yeah. But you got guys like Eno, uh, you know, we're putting it, we're putting it out there. I don't, I think there'll be others hyping him. He could be a big spring helium guy, especially starts going out in the grapefruit league and cooking. It could be, it could be a huge jump. That said, I think I'll say the same thing I just said with Wesneski. I don't know that it'll become cost prohibitive because what, even if he moves up 20, 25 spots in SPs, he's at SP 108. Even if he's SP 80, 
that's still pick 285. I wouldn't necessarily be out at that point because if he's if he's moving up that high, then Kyle Bradish is deserving it for mm-hmm. some reason. So then I would just continue my love for him. So yeah. I think I'm going to be in no matter what, but I hope it stays outside SP100 so I can get the real juicy price. Yeah, he's definitely been one of my most targeted guys uh, in terms of starting pitchers kind of in the back end of a draft. And uh, I'm hoping the price doesn't go through the roof uh, because I think that he could have a legit real like full season breakout. Uh, but I, I'm with you. If, if the price goes up, I mean, I think I'm going to still be above where the you know ADP stands. De- definitely. So Kyle Bradish in Baltimore. Keep tabs on him. There's a lot to like. And like I said, I know Eno's been talking him up too. So you might start to see that price rise. Don't be afraid to go get your guy. Eno. Freaking Eno. Stop talking about. Well, let's just send him a list of the guys. Shut yeah. your mouth about yeah. these dudes because we could, love them. If, yeah. If you could just in not fact, talk down about talk them. Guys. Yes. Well, yeah. well, you know. Uh, like people thought that you did years ago. Lie. Mm. Just make up stuff. <laughs> Just Yeah, straight. Straight up lie. Let's go to Arizona. Uh, Brandon Fott or Dre Jameson for the fifth SP there. And I know they're battling Tommy Henry. No offense to Tommy Henry. I don't put him on the same level as those two. I really think it's those two that are bad. And Ryan Nelson. In, I will put Ryan Nelson in there as well. The, all three of those. It, it's a tough battle. The re-signing of Zach Davies kind of pissed me off because yeah. it really uh, it really crowded things. I get it wanting a veteran a guy who's eaten innings before, but man, you got Nelson, Fott, Jameson, and Henry to go with Gallon, Kelly, Bumgarner. Why did why did you have to bring back Davies? Why did you have to complicate this? How and much are like they? That? How much are they regretting the Bumgarner contract? At oh my goodness! Point? Like, I, mean, I mean, it has it just was, not. It was out. never good, but like you aren't even getting like good innings from him. That's, like, that's the thing; he's not even eating innings. That, yeah, that he's just throwing batting practice, uh, and that's that's tough for like a guy who probably should be in the Hall of Fame and is probably every season he pitches now is just ruining his opportunity. Um, I, I wonder. I, I will say this real quick. He's he's a guy that I have a hard time fully bearing. I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving him a good projection. I'm not picking Vanessa Bumgarner. But would you be fully surprised if at a rebound if he figured it back out? I I take him in the 49th and 50th 50th rounds of draft and hold just for the volume. Yeah, just because when you get that late, uh, he you know he's gonna pitch. Like yeah, and and you might need him for a couple spells. It's still a good park to pitch in. It's a team that's getting better. Like he and look to put up a high four ZRA, which is what he's done the last two Mm -hmm. years. It's a combined four seventy eight. You got to have a lot of good starts. We talk about this a lot. Go look at the game logs. You will see good starts. So I get it that late. He had a stretch where he had like a sub three ERA at one point. I think it was like the beginning of the season. Yeah, exactly. Like early on. And so I wouldn't even rule out a rebound there, but the Davies one, I'm like, you didn't have to sign him. You guys got enough young talent. I think you need to start I mean, trusting. On top that young of talent. not being very good, he's also a garbage person. Terrible person. Look okay. up Zach Davies' wife, yeah. and um, you'll see uh, what he did there. Just abandoned her and just literally yeah. ghosted a marriage. Like, how do you do that? Again, what I mean, I'm, tra- I'm taking notes, but like, she'll ghost you before you would ever <laughs> yeah, ghost her. Get real. She's so Brandon Fott. Dre Davison, yeah, to, to then ghost you. She'd find you to then say, no, I'm going to leave you, you clown. Uh, so Fott, Jamison, or Nelson, who's your fave there for the fifth starters role? I think it's Jamison. Like, he's got, le- like, three legit pitches. Um, two of them are really, really good. Uh, I think command and control are good enough uh, for him to, like, really succeed. I just worry they're going to give it to Ryan Nelson. Um, I don't think Fott is going to get a rotation spot out of camp. I think he's going to I'd be surprised down. because of these other two 
and the le- and and the fact that it's only the one spot. And even Tommy Henry again, give him a little shout. He is mm-hmm. in the mix there if he goes out and kills it in in the cast. I think Henry, I think Henry's in the bullpen. Yeah, uh, and I think. I want it to be Dre Jamison, but I'm really worried they're going to give it to Ryan Nelson. Jamison, I think, is the one who I really feel like has the upside to take that next step. I'm, I'm um, a Jamison guy as well. Yeah. Uh, big time into him. Loved what he did in his small sample. It was a very tiny sample. But then um, we talked about Eno. He's actually on the on the Ryan Nelson train. So in this in this instance, he's helping us because he's key, you know he's talking up the guy that we're not as keen on. And it's not that I hate him or anything. I I, I, I with Nelson to Jamison. It's it's not a huge difference. I just think that now uh, Jameson has the better chance to find consistent strikeout stuff. Whereas I'm not sure that Nelson is going to have that swing and miss pitch. We saw yeah. just an eight percent swinging strike rate in his um, MLB debut. It was just eleven percent at AAA last year, and so I'm just not sure if he's going to miss bats consistently enough to be that impact fantasy guy. Whereas I do believe that uh, that Jamison can do that. And Fott, I like the most, but I agree with you. He's just not going to be the guy out of spring. I just don't yeah. really see any he's, he's, mid, he he's like a mid-season call-up once other guys in the rotation so get hurt. Uh, yeah, I just don't see the strikeouts with Nelson. I also think the command is really spotty, and we saw in the minor leagues like him have really large uh, home run rates. And we didn't see it in the majors, but I mean, some, it was only, that only is, 18 innings. Some of that's the AAA environment, though, uh, for Arizona, because Jamison also got his clock cleaned at AAA. So keep that in mind. Yeah, there. But he, he also like had a 1.5 uh, homer per nine at AA. So it wasn't like it was. You're talking was, about Nelson. Nelson, yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, so, I'm unfamiliar with how, how their AA plays. So uh, what what double what what place is it? I don't even for know. Them? I don't even know where they're double. They switch yeah. these parks. I know that's the so thing. You, you try to keep track of them, and then they do a roulette every couple of years, and you're just like, oh, I I don't have that correct anymore. It is oh um Amarillo, Amarillo. Yeah, let me see here. I yeah. do have the Martin League Park factors pulled up, so I can tell you Amarillo's Texas, so it's probably a launching Amarillo. Oh, it is disgusting. Yeah, Their home okay. park is a 165 home run factor. That's 65% higher than the league. Now, it is an interesting league, this Texas league here. There's a 165 in Amarillo, 147 in Springfield, 120 in Wichita, and then no other park is over 100. So it's like the fact that he, you know Nelson drew the short straw there, having to pitch half of his games in Amarillo, and uh, probably shouldn't have allowed as many homers around the rest of the league there. But bottom line is he does have more issues than Jamison. I agree with you. I like Jamison, but I also worry that Nelson is the favorite for that gig. So I think you can draft your favorite there. We lean Jamison. Eno leans Nelson. I wouldn't get too much fought. I will get him in draft champions. I'm not getting him in redraft right now. I think you'd be holding him. And unless you have huge reserves, I don't think you can do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. We're running short on time here. I want to get a few more in. For sure. So let's go to Philly and talk about some of their guys. Ranger Suarez or Taiwan Walker. Who's the better buy there for you? Suarez, because he's shown he can do it in Philadelphia. Um, like he's been really, really good in Philadelphia. The whip is is going to be less than desirable, but everything else is fantastic. And he was really, really great in the postseason. Uh, I really like uh, Suarez. Walker, I like as a pitcher. I don't love him in Philadelphia. I think that park may cause him some problems. So uh, I'm I'm staying away from Walker. I root hard for Walker, but I agree on on his potential home run issues. Now coming to Philly, 
could be a problem. He had his 0.86 homer nine last year. That wasn't in, in New York, though. Uh, he had one five in New York the year before, though. So, like, even a, a home run friendly park, can, or a pitcher friendly park, he can have home runs in. I do worry about him in a park like that. So, I probably lean Suarez as well. I will have some Walker just because he's my dude, but uh, I get it. We got to discuss the Andrew Painter hype train, though. This is a teenager. And usually I'm like, come on, teenager. We haven't had a teenager in the league since uh, Urias pitched. And we mm-hmm. know that he was very limited. Felix Hernandez before that. And then before that, Dwight Gooden. So yeah. we had two in the 2000s. And then before that, it was 1984. But dude looks the part. Six, seven, two and a quarter. Has the stuff. Dominated a high A, triple a, or double A last year is in discussion for the fifth starters role. How do you feel about Andrew Painter? Are you buying this hype? I love Andrew Painter. I just have a really hard time seeing him start the year in the rotation, especially because they have options. It's not like there is a like clear guy that needs to definitely be out of the rotation. Uh, but what, is, what does he need to do? Like Again, they're a contender, though, right? Because, you know, second place last year, essentially, yeah. and – they want to get back. They want to stay good. Is there a what, what what scenario do you envision where Painter could actually do it? Does he have to just be immaculate I, in AAA? I mean, in in spring training, like, do you see a scenario? Is this I just think, talk? I, I think this. I think it really doesn't come down to him. I think if he's good, he also needs someone else to be bad or hurt. Or um, falter, perhaps someone falters. I've been using that joke. I know. I saw, I saw it in. I saw it in your market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I think either Bailey Falter needs to have an issue. Taiwan Walker's injury or Zach Wheeler injury. Like one of these guys, like uh, falters, and then he gets in. So it's it's one of these situations, like the end of an NFL season, where you've got like you know, hey, this team needs to win, and they need this team to yeah. lose. They need the uh, help that, too. It, it is it is that kind of situation where he does, I think, needs some help in the rotation. That being said, it's almost better if he doesn't make the rotation because then like the late, really really late drafts will be cheaper. Uh, he'll be much cheaper, and I think he's going to be up super early. I think. So you think he gets drafted in like every main event? I think he probably even does, if yeah. even if they say no, come main event yeah. time, which is late March, he's already in minor league camp. You still think he gets drafted in most everyone? No, I, I don't. I, I don't know so. that. I I don't know that he gets drafted in every single one. Um, I think in but, most uh, that he would. Though, in most, yeah. Andrew Painter, mm-hmm. this nineteen-year-old prospect, Andrew Painter for Philly. Keep an eye on him. Again, it's crazy to think about a teenager pitching in the majors, uh, but guys buck trends these days. Like the the normal pro- progressions don't always happen. He's that good that it could happen. Just keep tabs on him. Uh, draft champions, absolutely. Uh, your redrafts, uh, TBD. Keep, keep keep tabs on it for sure. All right, one more, and then we'll let you out here. We got uh, Cleveland to deal with here, and we got three pitchers. We got a similar situation where we'll talk about a better buy and then one guy by himself. Better buy between Aaron Savale or Cal Quantrill. I know you're a Quantrill guy, but I think you like Savale too. So I think this is a little bit of a tough decision. It is. It is a very tough decision. I've got Savale higher in my ranks. Uh, it kind of depends on what you want at this point in the draft. Do you want upside or do you want some stabilization? Uh, and I think uh, Quantrill has shown he can outpitch his metrics uh, a little Repeatedly. bit. Repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over again. And I think he. I think that is a skill 
Uh, and so like he's going to give you innings with good ratios and not much else. Whereas Savali, if he stays healthy, the skills are there for him to have a big breakout. Like he's a legit, like, you know, top 40, top 50 SP. If he can throw 170 innings, the question is, can he? So I think in your shallow formats, you go with Savali and, and chase that upside and put him on your IL if he gets hurt and deeper leagues you go with Quantrill. And another appeal to authority situation. I love Cleveland and what they do. Yep. I really, I, I just buy in on their pitchers. And this is why I love this next guy so much because I think he's the next thing up, the next man up in their pitching factory and it's Cody Morris. However, injuries have continued to plague him and he's already dealing with right lat discomfort here in spring. How do you feel about Cody Morris? Is he somebody that you're drafting or is it a situation where you're like, I'll get him as a waiver pickup. I can't do it right now with the consistent injuries. Yeah. I mean, with the injuries and already not really having a rotation spot to begin the season anyways, I don't know how you draft him. I think you I mean, outside of drafts and holds, like I think you just, you put him on your watch list. You wait to you kind of monitor his innings in triple a Zach Plesak is not long for this rotation anyways. So at some point they will give up on him. Uh, so I, I do think Cody Morris makes a, a big league impact, but it may not even be until like July or something like that. So uh, I don't know how you draft that. Hold on to it. No, I, I got him in draft and hold and I, you know, put some shares there. I'm, I think I'm pretty much done with draft and holds this year. So I don't think I'll get another, but yeah, even as somebody who loves him, I can't get him inside my top 100 pitchers. No. Uh, it's just, it's too difficult. Uh, but if, once he, once he comes up, you know, or he might even be in the bullpen to start as a multi-inning guy. But once he gets a rotation spot, you better believe that I'm going to be putting some uh, some bids out there for him. Um, okay, we're going to cap episode four there. I do have a little bit of a rundown left for from this episode. I'll add a few more guys, and we'll do our fifth episode on starting pitchers. Um, great chat. I know you got to get going, and I know you got to get prepared for Potapalooza. It starts this That's week. right. Starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Yep. All right. Justin, have a good one, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.